This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Yes. Prince. What I would be. do to feel his lips on my cheek. 
on your cheek. On my cheek. <laughs> yeah, that scream he does, right? It's very... So gutturally sexy. Yeah. Did you ever see Prince uh, perform? I never did, but someone I know did. And she said his voice was so good that recording equipment at the time in the early 90s just couldn't cut it. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He was that good. Yep. Well, I would believe it. Hey, it's uh, four after four. And you're listening to In Your Face on 3 Cell with Yvette and James. Hey, hey, hi. hi. We've got some great guests. We do. Now, I want to pronounce, uh, pronounce her name correctly. So, Atlinka Vodstachil. Yep, she's a research fellow. I have fellow to slow that down, yeah. <laughs> Melbourne Sexual Health. I was thinking Vodka Sturchil. Oh, okay. Wow. Think of a drink, get it's a visualisation. Bartendery of you. Wow, yeah. <laughs> I was listening to a bartender on the tram. I think that's just why. Oh, you were? Well, he was sitting like, across from me talking about the tequilas that they were going to be making at this bar tonight. So, oh. you tune into that. Did you, do you, can you recall what bar? Didn't say. Okay. <laughs> didn't say, didn't ask. Okay, cool. And later on in the show, we have Phil Solomon and he's going to be in the studio with us. And he's going to be talking about a film, Not Done Yet, which explores the challenges and tribes of trans and gender diverse people in Australia. Yeah, it was made the International Transgender Day of Visibility, which was late last month, mm-hmm. and talks to some trans trans and gender diverse people and one of the points that came up was some people don't want to be visible oh yes that's yeah. a question that we have yeah. for him yeah yeah sure. and you could completely understand why because they talked about it so we'll talk about the amazing people in that doco as well mm. and how we met them and it was set around mm. here in Fitzroy just incredibly visually stunning yeah and it's an ongoing project yeah right yeah I think it's with a view to it being a, a much longer film some point so i think he's looking for people to contribute content as well which we should ask him about we'll get to the bottom of that one yeah He'll dig deep no doubt yeah yeah as all our True. guests do yeah of course we only have really really good guests we James. do yeah <laughs> we do thanks to mv for organizing yeah he's not about today but we will send our love to him yeah. or, as always i'm gonna play a wilco track because i don't think we've ever played wilco who is show, wilco i just feel like I think they're an American band. I'm pretty sure they're American. They have to be. Yeah. And um, you've never heard of Wilco? Never. Oh, wow. Like the Jesus is Etra song? Never. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm going to play a song called How to Fight Loneliness right now. And, you know, maybe you might know it. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. Really? Distinctive sound. There's a bit of familiarity there. Yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to remember the name of the guitarist right now. The guitar. Yeah. Yeah. How to fight loneliness Smile all the time Shine your teeth till meaningless And sharpen them with light Whatever's going down We follow you around That's how you fight loneliness You laugh at every joke Hop 
Terrible year, this man. 
the Sundays from 989, their first single, Here's Where the Story Ends. It's a quarter past four. You're on In Your Face on 3CR. I love that you know the year that that was out. My God, look at you go. <laughs> you don't have the record in front of you at all. <laughs> yeah, it is 414. You're listening to In Your Face on 3CR with Yvette and James. And on the line, we have Lenka Vodstichil. So we're going to talk about bacterial vaginosis, which is one of the most common vaginal conditions affecting women of reproductive age. So Lenka is a research fellow at the Melbourne Sexual Health Centre and she's joining us to discuss BV and her research paper on BV and an important new study that she's in the planning stages of. Hi, Lenka. Hi, Lenka. Hi, how are you guys? Thanks. (laughs) Okay, so to start with, for everyone. <laughs> what is bacterial vaginosis? So bacterial vaginosis is, as you said, really common. It's um, basically a bacterial condition that affects women and it causes much, it's a bit like thrush in that mm-hmm. um, you get an unpleasant discharge, but this one's a bit more watery and milky in consistency. And the probably the more embarrassing thing that women find often is that it has a bit of a fishy odour that... Um, people can smell mm-hmm. uh, and yeah that's basically how it um, presents um, and it's uh, the problem with it I guess is that you if you've got BV you're more likely to get other STIs um, sexually transmitted infections and but it can also cause um, a bit more seriously as well uh, pelvic inflammatory disease which is a really painful um, condition uh, that affects women and also can lead to some pregnancy um, problems as well. So like, it's really important to get treated. How is it treated, Linka? It's tra- treated with uh, antibiotics. So that's the gold standard. Um, it, the most common antibiotic used is metronidazole, uh, which is an oral antibiotic uh, for up to a week. The annoying thing is you can't drink when you're on uh, the antibiotics. They're oh, a bit yeah. uh, stronger. Oh. <laughs> You can also use um, a antibiotic that's inserted inside the vagina um, called clindamycin. So those are the two sort of first-line therapies. Mm. But what um, a lot of our studies have shown, and it's been shown elsewhere, um, is that unfortunately your BV comes back again um, within six months to a year. Um, and that can happen in up to half of women. So treatments aren't ideal. They're still the best treatments. Um, other types of treatments haven't shown to improve. Um, so like taking it pro- probiotics, um, you know, it can affect, it can affect short-term um, treatments, so it can help it short-term, but longer-term, women are getting their BV back again. And that's what the focus of our research is, how to prevent it coming back, really, for, you know, longer-term. Mm. So your research paper, what were the preliminary findings of the study? So the first... Um, study that we've done is so basically I guess one quick step back the two main things that we find influence it coming back is that women who are using some kind of hormonal contraceptive tend to have half um, the risk of getting it back again and then women who remain with their same sexual partner have double the risk of getting it back again so I know this sounds really scientific but basically you've got two times the chance of getting it back if you're or two to three times chance of getting it back if you're staying with your same partner before and after antibiotic treatment and you're getting half the half the chance of getting it back if you're using some sort of hormonal contraception. So the first thing we sort 
sort of went down was the hormonal contraception path. Um, and so we used, we did a study called Stop BV or Strategies to Prevent BV. And what we've found is that um, we've just recruited 90 women to this study. 50 were randomly allocated the pill. Um, so we just thought we wanted to use the cheapest, most common way of uh, hormonal contraception that would might be the most acceptable. And um, 50 just stayed with their normal, 50% stayed with their normal contraceptive practices, so just whatever they usually do. Um, we checked every month to see if their BV came back again. And that's just a swab that people can send in from home or they can come into the clinic and um, to the Melbourne Sexual Health Centre and, and have a, we can have a look. And the preliminary findings so far is that as we um, sort of predicted, women in the pill group seem to be half as less half as likely to get their BV back again. But really importantly, even in this study, if you were with the same partner as before, and uh, sorry, again, after treatment with antibiotics, regardless of whether you're in the contraceptive group or not, the hormonal contraceptive group or not, you're more likely to get your BV back again. So, Lincoln, um, is it, is it, so is it that's likely, our important finding. <laughs> is it likely to reoccur if people are taking another form of hormone treatment, not just hormone contraceptions? Um, yeah, so that's a really good question. I guess we've based it on the most commonly published research, which is, tends to be the pill, um, depot, uh, so injections um, that some women get can also prevent against BV. Um, so it doesn't have to be um, the pill necessarily. In the literature, it's been published different, you know, different types. Uh, regionally, in Africa, they tend to use more um, progesterone injections um, and in Australia probably that's long, longer acting contraceptives is what they're called so um, they're more becoming more common so they're all sort of more protective against BV I guess for want of a better word but um, we, we, we did the pill because firstly the uh, yeah it's a sort of a cheaper um, accessible uh, contraceptive and we used the cheapest one. We didn't use some more expensive brands as well. Linka, is it commonly uh, something that reoccurs in the trans community, perhaps people are taking hormonal treatment? Yeah, that's a really good question. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of literature um, or studies that are performed in the trans community. Um, we do have... Um, so I read an article recently by um, one of the doctors that works at the clinic called Vincent um, Cornelise, and he has um, looked at sort of the, the neo-vagina, so that's like a, a made vagina, and you, you can still see BV-esque, um, sort of like a BV happening in those people who are, got a, um, who are probably taking hormonal uh, treatments as well. Um, but I don't know about the, like how common it is versus whether it's helping reduce the effects of, or reduce the... Um, chance of BV coming back again. So, unfortunately, jury's still out on that one. Linka, could you tell us a bit about the effect of partner treatment? So, you've re you've received a federal government grant to look into that. Yeah. So, this is where we're now focusing on at the moment, and that's because of what I said before. Like, it just it keeps coming back in the literature. It keeps coming back in our studies. People who have the same sexual partner before and after treatment tend to get their BV back again. So what we're, um, we're, 
we're actually just looking at this point at women in uh, heterosexual relationships just because that's the sort of first step, I guess, for us. Um, and what, we, what we're doing is we're getting guides or male partners of these women with BV to use a similar antibiotic, so take an oral antibiotic, but also put that cream as well on their penises and then that can that will hopefully prevent any bacteria being transmitted back to the female after treatment. So it's sort of like dual partner treatment. Both, both members of the relationship are being um, treated at the same time. And some studies have sort of done a version of this in the past, past but no one's actually put any cream on, no studies have ever put cream on the, um, on the males have not had to put cream on their penises before. So this is where um, we're now moving into and we're recruiting women currently into a pilot of this and then later in the year we're going to be starting a big randomised control trial. So that's like the gold standard of conducting research where um, people don't get to choose which group they go into but um, we can really test if there's any differences between using males using the treatment and not and how that affects their female partner getting her BV back again. Yeah. The female um, partner treatment trials. Yes. In the future also. <laughs> yeah, so we've actually, um, we in the, we've done a really large trial, I think one of the largest in the world of women who have female partners um, and we looked at the prevalence, so how much BV is in the community and we found that in um, this was actually done almost Australia wide. We had women recruited at festivals and through peer peer to peer recruitment, um, and that one in three women who have female partners have BV. Um, so it's a bit higher than uh, across the board in the general population in Australia, which is about closer to twelve percent. Did that surprise you? No, that's sort of been known. Um, I guess. Like, if we take a step back, why is this happening? You know, it's not... BV's not thought of as an STI as such, but really there's there's some kind of transfer of bacteria. It may be that in women with female partners, just that transfer is more likely to occur just in their general sex practices, uh, I guess. So we were expecting around that based on estimates that were seen in the US. But there's not a lot of research, I guess, in women with female partners everywhere around the world. But there is, you know, there's large groups in the states that have done this research, and so we found that similar, um, like base estimate. But then we went on and followed uh, about 450 women, um, stayed in the study for up to two years, and these are women that at the start of that two years they didn't have BV, and we followed them uh, every three months. For up to two years, they sent us back a swab in the post and we tested it for BV. And we got about, um, I can't remember exactly the amount, but basically about uh, the incident rate. So that's how many people got BV over um, the course of the two years was about 10%. Um, sorry, I've just lost my sweat. So it was, again, it was about 30%, sorry. So about 30% of women that we followed over that time got the, got BV. Um, so that... Sorry, I've 
got the number slightly wrong, but that's about right. So, um, yeah, so I think what that told us was that uh, women that we followed over time were more likely to get BV over that time if they had a new partner. Um, so if they were exposed to someone who might have had BV, um, that, that was more likely. So if they told us that their, the partner that they had was also experiencing BV symptoms, they were more likely to get BV themselves. But also if they just had a new partner in potentially from that community that already has a baseline rate that, you know, a baseline of 30% of women have BV, they were more likely to get it as well. So the female partner treatment to... Um, have a long story short. So female partner treatment is something that we'd really, really like to do um, as the next step after our current um, studies on male partner treatment. And we're hoping it's a little bit more tricky to do because of the, this randomised control trial. Women are more likely to probably want to be treated um, because if they're told, you know, their female partner, if oh, you're more likely to have BV if your partner's got BV, there's more sort of alignment between the vaginal um, bacteria that are present in those partners. So they're probably more likely to want to get treatment. So it's a bit hard to do that then in a randomised controlled study where you're saying, oh, only half of you can have treatment. But we're working currently on trying to work out the logistics for that so that that could be our next study as well. Nalinka, if women want to find more about, find out more about your BV studies, where can they go to? So you can either go to the Melbourne Sexual Health Centre website which is the easiest thing to find the easier to find so it's mshc.org.au and if you're interested in the step up study which is our male partner treatment study mm-hmm. it's mshc.org.au forward slash step up and that basically gives you um, information about the study you can also email us uh, at stopbv at mshc.org.au and I guess uh, if anyone out there wants to know more about BV or is experiencing some symptoms um, or if they've gone to their GP and they don't feel they thought it was thrush or, and it's not really working for them, mm-hmm. they can find out more about BV by going to a new website that we've just developed called What's Going On Down There. And um, there's also some other links there that might be uh, useful for everyone. Uh, and that's HTTPS forward slash W-G-O-D-T, so what's going on down there, dot com dot au. Awesome stuff. Linka, Vodstrasil, thank you so much for joining us on 3CR. Much appreciated. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Linka. And for the study. Yeah, cheers. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Bye. That was, yeah, well, that's a, a, a discussion women need to have. There's a lot of misdiagnosis. Actually, when it comes to, I mean, you being male, it's not something you have to deal with. It's but. really interesting, though, isn't it? <laughs> that, that obviously, if they're using cream in the study on the male penis, mm-hmm. then presumably it is an STI to some extent, surely. But also, it's female to female transmitted potentially as well. So it's a really fascinating illness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so little is known about bacterial vaginosis. And we mm. were talking to Linka Bodra still from Melbourne Sexual Health. It's four thirty on in your face yes. on three CR. Who are we going to listen to? Oh, this is Marilyn Manson. Oh. Kiss for me. It's been a while since we listened to you. Ooh, hello, bass.
Let's grab a gold switchblade Make us a blood pack, babe To love and to fuck and to only see ourselves And remember this Your hotel hall won't be so vacant And I can't tell that you ain't faking Because I take death threats Like the best of Listening to 3CR Radio. Kiss! Uh, that was Tom Jones. I was about to say Prince. <laughs> and uh, clearly, so who won out of uh, Prince and Tom Jones? Was oh, the version look, of that Prince's version of Kiss so, was so much better. Yeah. It's funny playing them almost back to back. Well, you know, 
twice. Just a line about Dynasty, you know, Prince just cut it so much more decisively than Tom. Absolutely, yeah. It is 439. You're listening to In Your Face on 3CR with Yvette and James, and we are joined by a very special guest. Indeed. Not Done Yet is a documentary made for last month's Transgender Day of Visibility and its maker, Phil Solomon, joins us in the studio. Welcome, Phil. Welcome to 3CR. Thank you for having me. Look, the issue in the, in the video goes well beyond visibility in terms of its exploration. What's its key message? Look, uh, to be honest with you, I had two days. Uh, wow. So, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. So from the point of knowing that I was definitely going to be doing the film and starting filming to the edit going online. I didn't have a lot of time to think about it. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So you're quite spontaneous in terms of the crew that you got together because their stories were great. Yeah. Mm. How did you get people together for it in two days? I didn't actually do anything, to wow. be honest. <laughs> they um, came to you, they yeah, found yeah. you. Well, the, the mural was actually painted by a friend of mine and he was the one who actually mentioned that it might be a thing because I'd spoken to him about wanting to make a documentary for a while. So about... someone was doing a mural with the trans flag. Yeah, yeah. And word of mouth happened and these networks just came to work for you, basically. Yeah, well, Tom and Alan, who were featured in the film, they were painting with with um, with David. And then Finn and, and, uh, and also Kay sort of were hanging around and, and chatting. And, and so I, I felt, you know, this is perfect. I didn't really need to... I didn't really need to try very hard to, to get them. Wow. Yeah. How collaborative was the project? Well, I, I filmed the whole thing. I did the interviews and edited it. So in essence, it wasn't very collaborative okay. at all. But, uh, but I actually did show all of the people who were involved and, and made sure that they were happy with how they were represented and, and that kind of thing. Because they're a really diverse crew and I found it really yeah. striking when there was one person talking about, well, actually, you know, I don't want to be visible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which brought up issues around dead names yeah. and misgendering. Yeah. Tell us about that person's story because it was it was really poignant. Yeah. Well, Finn works in a quite a conservative industry and and doesn't doesn't feel like they need to or he, sorry, needs to kind of put it out there. And uh you know, he has a, a strong network of, of friends, trans and non non trans and and they just they just want to uh, he just wants to get along with you know living and and you know sometimes that's really hard he seemed to you make know? a distinction between whether you whether you can be visible or whether you would want to be visible yeah so, yeah. yeah and and i think the whole the whole point of the film is not so much individual visibility i think it's more about knowing and understanding that there are trans people out there mm. and they may not present as trans and they may not you know you might not be able to tell just by looking at them but the point is to kind of be aware of of the unique challenges that they face and you know just kind of think about that I guess mm. that was the, the kind of point that I was trying to get across because my my understanding of trans, you know, is is continually evolving and, and this film definitely, you know, enlightened me quite mm. a lot. And I think for me it was just about, you know, just getting trans people to actually tell their mm. stories rather than speaking for them. So, so this film, it's a starting point of a, long, a longer film project and you've put the call out for people to contribute their stories. Yeah. So what kind of stories are you hoping to find? Well, look, I'm not I'm not sort of uh, defining that at this stage, but I guess what I'd really like to hear is is the other side of you know the trans experience that we don't get to see. So, you know, there there is, you know, a lot of 
a lot of, I guess you could say, celebrities or, or, mm-hmm. or personalities that kind of are in the spotlight. But, um, but there's a lot of people who don't kind of fit in that kind of easily packageable, you know. And you, your, your interviewees touched on that. You know, they yeah. touched on social exclusion, yeah. which seemed to be an undercurrent throughout the, throughout the discussions. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of awful in a way how, you know, even as a gay man, even as part of that LGBTQIA plus um, community, I, you know, I, I know so little about trans people and, and what they face and the, the problems that they face and, the, you know, the achievements that they've had as well. So, yeah, so I guess, and that's because in my social network, you know, it's not, I don't usually come across trans people on my, in my daily life. And that's not out of any kind of, um, um, sorry. It's about the visibility. <laughs> it's about and, the visibility. And the visibility. Exactly. exactly. And it's interesting because exactly. one of your guests said, look, you know, people talk about marriage equality and we've, we've got that and yeah. that's great. Yeah. But the next step in the evolution, I suppose, of LGBTI rights yeah. is, is one component of it is, is trans visibility Definitely. and gender identity because we're much more than just the G and the L bits yeah. in, the, in the rainbow composition. Yeah, exactly, mm. exactly. Do you think our mainstream media coverage of trans and gender diverse people is, is improving? Uh, definitely. I mean, you know, I, I'm going to get uh, slaughtered for saying this, but I don't really watch <laughs> RuPaul's Drag Race. Either do is I. That, <laughs> is that, I actually, is that like, I don't know, there's a whole bunch of shows like that, that like Project Runway or something. I don't sure, know. Is, yeah. it, is it like a modelling competition? Kind of like a bitchy modelling competition. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't but, they all? Well, <laughs> I suppose this transcends bitchiness. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so so um, the point of me bringing that up is that uh, RuPaul has recently, you know, been called out for being quite transphobic. And it's, it's, Kind which of, is ironic, isn't which, it? Which, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. But it still happens. And it still happens. And and transphobia is rampant in in the gay community specifically, which is, is kind of horrific. And so... And mainly through mm. ignorance as well, simply yeah. because of that lack of exposure that exactly. you talked about. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, that incident and others have just brought out the, the point that, you know, it's it, people just need to know. People need to be educated. Was there an incident with RuPaul? See, I, I, I'm so RuPaul ignorant. I yeah. didn't know so there was an incident, but it seems yeah. like there was. Yeah. Well, so Ru, Ru, who is RuPaul? Is a, he's a, a, he, a, a, a singer-turned-reality TV star. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is, he has a show called RuPaul's is, is Drag Race on cable no. TV. No, no. Trans. no he's, he, he is uh, um, a drag queen okay. and, and presents as male, but, you know. Wears, wears women's clothing and, mm-hmm. and performs and things like Which that. Which is a real kind of a, pardon the pun, a, a head fuck, isn't it? You know, yeah. that you've got like a, a drag queen who's transphobic. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, I, that's, a, that's a real kind of, you know, it's yeah. a tough one. Mm. Yeah, and, and so, you know, he has said that he wouldn't, well, I'm not sure if he said he, he wouldn't or he is uncomfortable about having actual trans people on the show. You know, because the How you know, ridiculous. I know because it's well, it's almost like drag has turned into this like boys' club, like everything else. You know, does he give a reason for why? Oh, uh, look, I, I don't want to really comment because I've okay. only heard the sort of mm. basics of yeah, what he's saying. Oh, really who yeah. I would like to ask for comment on that is Caitlin Jenner. What would she say to RuPaul? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
who knows? Who knows? Mm. I, I don't really want to <laughs> mm. guess for her. I wanted to get back to your film, if yeah. you could, briefly. Yeah, sure. um, the, the, the sculpture that's featured in it. Could you tell yeah. us a bit about that? Oh, I was really hoping you wouldn't ask me about that. Oh, no. Um, okay, we can not? move on. I have other stuff. I, I just can't remember the name of the the person who oh, inspired it. I but that's okay. Yeah. Tell us what it looks like. It's yeah. pretty gorgeous. Yeah, so, so basically it's actually really beautiful. It's a young man taking off a lion suit mm-hmm. and and the lion like a kind of onesie i guess a lion onesie and um and the head of the lion is sitting next to him and he's kind of like looking up heroically and um and it's just uh, a sort of not a memorial but just like a, a reminder of of the lgbt community mm. and in particular a mayor the the first openly gay mayor in australia i believe tony bifka Tony Bifka? Yeah, from Hobson's Bay. Oh, yes, there you go. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) And I've even forgotten the name of the artist, which is fantastic. But (laughs) But that's um, a good sign because the work is so striking. Uh, Thank you. You don't need to know the name. Exactly, exactly. And so it's it's kind of Fitzroy's uh, contribution to the LGBTQI Mm. uh, plus debate and, um, you know, visibility and that sort of stuff. And I was just wandering around after the the, uh, mural was painted. I was wandering around Fitzroy trying to find, you know, stuff to to cover the interviews mm. with and that was like oh my god perfect mm-hmm. so yeah i'm hoping this question's all right i wanted to talk a little bit about the music <laughs> oh the music <laughs> so yes simona and and zaya and so yeah simona's been on the show yeah there you uh go. yes of course yeah so, yeah so simona is actually gaining a lot of visibility as a trans performer and she has this kind of um new wave dark synth kind of vibe uh, and Zaya is actually a friend from from Sydney, and uh, and she, I'm hoping that I got her pronoun right, <laughs> did this amazing kind of a cappella, very haunting song that I put at the on the credits, mm. and and there was you know a whole bunch of people, trans people who were like, yes, I'd love to contribute music to the to the film, mm. and I was like, well, I've only got five minutes to work with in this one, but when I make the bigger film, I'm definitely going to be getting a lot more. Trans yeah, that, that, yeah, right. You that, got the music yeah. sorted. That yeah. acapella piece at the end that was yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah, that sort of like turned my head. Like, yeah, to look back at. Yeah, who is that? And <laughs> clearly, there's the material there for a, for a longer documentary. Definitely. Yeah, totally. Mm. Now, before you leave us, I have to ask you a little bit about your background as so a strict Egyptian. Uh, see, see, uh, Coptic, <laughs> so <laughs> Orthodox background, yeah, yeah. So, so here we go. <laughs> so, so Coptic Orthodox uh, is basically the the Christian uh, religion in Egypt, and Coptic is just the Greek word for Egyptian, and and oh. so Coptic Orthodox comes from Greek Orthodox and all the other Orthodox religions. And there's a big Greek community in Alexandria in yeah. uh, in Egypt. Yes, yes, huge yes, community. Yes, and yeah, Egypt mm-hmm. has a long relationship with Greece as well. And so my parents are both Egyptian Coptic Orthodox, and I kind of grew up with that as the background. So I guess for me, truth and belief has always been a thing for me, and I. I've kind of worked that into all my projects, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We, so, yeah. It, and it it's works in- for you because, I mean, they, they dug deep your guests on Not Done Yet. They <laughs> yeah. really, like it was so spontaneously put together, but yeah. it was, it was, it flowed beautifully and they, they touched on some issues that don't get much of a Guernsey yeah. in yeah, discussion, yeah. certainly not on the mainstream media. So it's awesome that you've come in and shared that with us. Pleasure. Mm. He's Midnight Oil, only the strong. Oh, oh it's 4.52, yeah. 
I think 3CR is the voice of the people speaking back to the establishment and telling them what they think and sometimes it's something they don't want to hear. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.